0: or what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And today, I'm going to be doing a story called Hurricane. Now, I'm not starting season six yet, y'all. This will be the last week before we start season six. The story is going to be a little bit different. Before I started, I want to say something. I found it out late last night that Mr. Kearney Foster died. Um, I guess from complications from COVID. Y'all have heard me talk about Mr. Kearney. He was my first chief when I went to the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. A transfer there, I didn't know anybody. In but the first thing I heard was you know about Mr. Kearney and shit. Ninety percent of the people were scared of him, but. He was simply the biggest influence in my life, of any career I've had in my entire life. Um, he was, he'd forgotten more about murders and investigation and interrogation when I started my career than, than I'll ever know. And he had, when I got to the sheriff's office, he had been there, I think, over 30 years already. He was the chief deputy. He ran everything on the day-to-day. Everything from uniform patrol to to SWAT to civil to the politics side, he was the man. That being said, he was tough, but he was fair. And <laughs> you didn't want to get called on the carpet in front of Mr. Kearney, but if you did, you damn well better tell him the truth. And you expect to get your ass chewing and he was hard, but and I've been on the carpet many, many times. in uniform patrol as a detective, whatever. And he, every time I went on the carpet, I deserved it. And I learned my lesson, but he kind of took me under his wing. I wasn't from there. I didn't know anybody. But based off of work ethic, he's the reason I made detective in a year and a half. He's the reason that I became the first polygraphist. I mean, he he fought for me because he liked the way that I worked, and, and he liked me, and I consider him to be my mentor. I love that man, and he's just he's amazing. And I, I gleaned so much from him. You know, y'all heard me talk about in constant. The very first murder trial I ever watched, I watched him testify, and he kept pointing. Every time the defense attorney would ask him a question, he, he would answer it. In a way that wasn't good for the defense, and and pointing at the the defendant, and say, "No, your client did such and such." And I picked that one up from him, and I used it on David Constance and Double Clutch on my very first episode. But I remember I was testifying, and the defense attorney kept trying to get into me, and I kept turning around, and saying, "No, your client did." And I kept pointing at him, and I'd look at the jury, and I kept pointing it at David Constance to the point. Where he got so upset, and then right in front of the jury, he told his turn, said, oh, make him quit pointing at me, make him quit pointing at me, I almost a crying, right? That's one of a million tips that I picked up from Mr. Kearney. You know, I don't know what to say. I, I have a million stories, and I'm, y'all have heard me talk about him before, you'll hear me talking about him again, and I'm going to tell you this. He he retired from Livingston while I was still there. And then he would go to work for the Tangipo Parish Sheriff's Office, kind of in the same position to help them straighten things out a couple of years later. And just a wealth of knowledge. But the, the only thing he loved more than law and politics was his beautiful family and hunting. You know, and, and some of my prayers go out to his family. Y'all, pr- y'all please pray for him. His wife is still battling it also, and she is such a sweetheart. No matter if I had to go to his house at four o'clock in the morning or call at four o'clock in the morning, she would answer the phone and I'd say, "Hey, I say, uh, Miss Foster, it's Woody Overton. Can can I talk to Mister Kearney?" And she's she oh, sure, sweetie. And she, would Kearney, Kearney, wake up. Woody's on the phone, right? And uh, just just a great man, larger than life, and the best law enforcement professional I ever knew. And God rest your soul, Mr. Kearney. I love you and and, uh, thank you for everything that that you did for me. So I'm going to get started, y'all. Hurricane. Y'all stay tuned to end the show for some really important announcements. Hurricane, the reason I'm doing that this week is, as y'all know, we had this last hurricane that came through this weekend I was in the woods at my place, and I decided I was going to stay here. My family was safe down in Maripaul in the swamp. I decided I was going to stay here. I lost power about 7.30 Friday night, and the storm started coming through, and by, I don't know, 10.30, it was whipping pretty hard, and by 11.30, it sounded like, cannon fire going off. All of the limbs and uh, snapping and trees falling. By one o'clock I decided I needed to leave and I couldn't get out. Uh, uh, I made it not even part, I'm like at the end of a two or three mile private road and I didn't even make it a quarter of the way and there were trees everywhere. So I was trapped in. So I started thinking about um, and I, I didn't get power back until last night to Monday night. I was thinking about all the named storms that for 20 years y'all i worked every hurricane that hit the state of louisiana so i have a ton of stories but i just want to touch a highlight on a few of them for you but let me start with this this most recent storm the west feliciana parish sheriff's office which is the parish next to where i'm at the uh, rural rural parish during the storm one of their deputies a sergeant was responding to a call and a tree fell in front of his unit on the road, and he had to swerve to miss a tree, and he hit another tree, and he got hurt, and he got uh, bad in the car. Well, guess what? He was able to call it in, but nobody else could get to him because of all the trees and stuff that, that were falling down. So it took him a bit to get to him. They get to him. They extract him from the vehicle. They get him to uh, on the, in route to the hospital where the sheriff showed up, and uh, was on the scene, as any good leader would be, right, if one of your guys gets hurt. And the sheriff shows up, and everybody's getting ready to leave. The sheriff's walking to his vehicle, and another tree limb fell and hit him in the head. And so he's injured, and he has to go to the hospital. So what you don't think about on these storms, you, you see them on the news, and you see about people without power, or whatever, what you don't think about is with the real life that goes on during a storm, especially from the law enforcement officer standpoint. And you are literally putting your life on the line. One of the first ones I remember, I can't y'all, yeah, I'm bad with names. Uh, I was working for the Livingston and uniform Patrol, and it was a slow-moving storm, it, meaning that it came in slow and it dumped a shit-ton of rain and flooded everything and high winds and finally, you know, moved on. But during the storm itself, 911 call comes in with 103D or disturbance in the back of Eastover. And I got back there and I had this pretty brand new car. But I get back there and it's flooded. And I'm like, shit, I can't get to them, right? And then, the, then it, it was a naked female with a knife high on whatever threatening to kill everybody in the neighborhood and East Over Y'all is a really really bad it's, it's the white ghetto The uh, it's one of the worst trailer parks on oh, in the parish, certainly on the west side of the parish and I get there and I call my supervisor, I says look, I said Danny I can't get through there, he said you gotta get through there she's got a knife and she's gonna kill somebody, you gotta get through so you know what I did, I backed up and I ran my unit through it and I swamped that bitch out to a point where it killed and I had water coming in your car and I had to climb out of the unit on the hood of the unit. And and I could see the residents and what I, I hear all the screaming and my spotlight was still on. I had it screaming and sure enough, there was a naked female running around with a knife. So I had to continue to go through the water and get over there and, she was higher than shit, and she's like, "I'll kill you too." And and I trusty freeze plus P. I sprayed her from about ten feet away, and was able to affect the rest. But this is all in the middle of a hurricane. This is when the winds are blowing probably at least forty miles an hour. Still, and, and it, no power. And you know, you just I could have drowned in the car, right? And then I and then I have to arrest a naked lady uh, with a knife. And it's just these things go on. It seems like hurricanes intensify people's stupidity. It, it, you know, I don't don't know why. I know a a large percentage of the population loved to drink when when we have hurricane parties in South Louisiana. I'm guilty of it myself. There's never been a storm since before I got in law enforcement or since I got out where I knew the storm was coming. Well, I didn't load up on beer. Right. I mean, it's just the way it is. Yeah, especially when you yeah, you know you know you're gonna lose like electricity, et cetera. You got nothing else to do. You might as well drink a cold one, beer and ice, right? And and hurricane snacks. But another one. let me tell you, when you knew a storm was coming, the sheriff knew the storm was coming, or state police. Let's start with the sheriff's office. Sheriff's office. You knew the storm was coming. You got an all page. Everybody got the page. To fill up your units, whether you're a uniform patrol or a detective, or you worked in civil or whatever, you feel you had to top off on gas first of all, in case the electricity went out, you can't get gas, right? Secondly, you, you make sure you have your rain gear, and uh, certain people were allotted to get chainsaws. I was one of them. One on this next door, I'm going to tell you about. You would work, you would catch calls until the storm got so bad, the sheriff would uh, tell the radio room, okay, get everybody off the road if it was a bad storm, right? I mean, yeah, 30 miles, 40 mile an hour winds didn't matter. You were out there and you got trees falling in people's houses, you got people getting in wrecks, you got people calling 911 disturbances. I mean, people just go stupid. It's kind of like a full moon during the summer. But this one, I remember member we had got caught off the road and so what you'd work right up until that point and i was somewhere near springfield on the east side and i parked on the side of a building actually by the uh, springfield police department and i remember it because they only have one red light in springfield and it got to blowing so bad the the red light was uh blown up the light not blown up but like explosion blowing up, but it was blown sideways for the longest time. And that whole red light looked like it was about to blow down the road. But when the wind's blowing so hard, anything that was on the street was flying by like tumbleweeds, et cetera. And then at the, as soon as it started to calm down, I mean, the, the 911's calling out the calls that are stacking up, right? I mean, people that are trapped, boom, 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 and trees down on such and such. Well, your first job is besides answering the the distress calls, is to cut trees out of the roadway. Yes, Sheriff's Department cutting trees. Uh, The State Highway Department can't cut all the trees and come down in a big storm. And so anyway, I remember when it started to calm down, they said, okay, y'all can start responding to calls. Well, Alden Thomasy and this guy, he's now over all uniform patrol and everything for... Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office, I don't know what his rank is, but I got to see him at the, um, I was a keynote speaker, for, or guest speaker for the Peace Officer of the Year Award about two weeks ago, and I hadn't seen him in years. But Alan Thomasy is, I suppose, still a walking encyclopedia of the law. He could tell you any Louisiana revised statute, criminal code, or traffic code off the top of his head in the definition. I like to think at the time that I was there that that I became second only behind him. But there were still times I had to call him and say, hey, man, what the hell is the charge for this one, right? And he could tell you right off the top of his head. But the reason I'm telling you this, we were headed to some type of 911, people trapped, et cetera. We get one of these these back roads. Guess what? Big-ass tree down. Well, we had, both of us had chainsaws. We get out, to cut the tree so we can respond to the 911. Now, it's raining and it's dark and, you know, you got your spotlights on on the tree that's down and we're getting there. Shit, is dangerous. You run the chainsaws and, and, and the lightning and, you know, the bad, one of the, The worst part, and that's what happened to me up here the other night uh, during hurricanes, is the tornadoes that are spun off. And that's where I think most of the damage comes from, especially in the smaller storms. But I remember getting out, Alden and I, attacking this tree. Chainsaws running. Cutting it up, cutting it up. And we were almost back to back. um, And I heard him drop his chainsaw and start screaming and running. And I didn't know what it was. So I thought shit. He must have cut himself. And then, then I felt it. it and I felt pop, 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 pop on on my f- side of my face and my back of my neck. Now I got this big yellow s- slicker on, right? But it's hot. And, uh, hurricane season. It always seems to be hotter than hell when the storms come through. And when I say I started getting sting s- popped. It was hornets. Fucking tree had a hornet nest in it, and of course you couldn't see it because you're cutting with low light situation. Fucking hornets are just, and hornets, y'all aren't like wasps. When hornets get on you, they won't leave you alone. They when, when they get pissed and they start attacking, they're on your ass until you know you're a mile away or you can get underwater or whatever. And shit, they tore my ass up. And then I had to drop my chainsaw and run. And, you know, I must have had 15 uh, stings on me and that some had gotten inside of my rain slicker. And, and, you know, just this is kind of shit that your law enforcement goes through beyond the arresting people and the saving people, the danger stuff that you do in... Yeah, you know, I just, I'll never forget that because I, uh, um, I remember getting f- far enough away and stripping my shit off because they're I mean like getting naked in the, in the street and getting cigarette tobacco and wetting it and putting it on the sting bites. I don't know, man. You just you can never give enough credit to those people who are out there on the front line. They do it every day, right? And, and answer the calls and it's dangerous. But shit, when the hurricane comes through. They're the ones, yeah. So hats off to them. Just anyway, I don't I don't know, but yeah, Alden, great guy, and it was good to get to see him uh, at the Peace Officer of the Year award. Another story. Let me tell you some dum dums uh, or a quick dum dum story. It was after I don't might have been Katrina. The power was out. Now look, I I have some. Bad stories about Katrina that I'm going to tell. I'm going to start telling them. One of them is going to lead off on season six. But I'm, this is a whole different ball game right here. I get called on a 62A, which is an alarm, at the store off of Highway 16 down south. It was the only store down there, actually, in between Walker South Road and Jubin Road. Way down there in the middle, I mean, it's just a little country store, and I'm like, and I knew it had bars on the windows that it had been broken into before, et cetera. So I get a call, responding as a detective uh, on on one of the detectives on call. I guess I was closest. I don't remember what the deal was, but get there. And this is after the storm had gone through, the, I think it was like two two days or so after. Still no power, and uh, you know the roadways had been cleaned up etc. The I get to the store and I pull up and it's a small, small country store, like two gas pumps in the front, uh, wood siding or or wood on the outside of the store. And when you're facing it, you have the door, the double door, and right to that is a window, the a small, not even a big window. You couldn't have climbed through this fucker. And the 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 that door had bars on it and the window had bars on it. And I'm I'm looking at it, and and it's 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 daylight, y'all. I mean it's I mean it was like six o'clock in the evening or something. I'm looking at it, and the window is busted out, right? Uh, even though the power's off, the the alarm still had the battery back backups or whatever it was. I'm looking at the window, and it's busted, and I'm like, why in the hell would somebody bust the window when it's got fucking bars on it? So I go up to look, looking closer, and I see blood everywhere. And I'm looking in, I'm peering in. I told dispatch that I was on the scene, and I I, I saw the blood. I told him to get me a key holder to come out so I could work the scene, right? Even though nobody got in, I need someone to come shut the alarm off and what have you. Now, I'm looking at the window, there's blood. I'm looking at the bars. There's blood. I look down on the ground, and there's blood. <laughs> there was nothing, no houses across the street from this place, but there's a small trailer park in the back of it, and we would had calls in there over the years, and I was familiar with it. It doesn't take a genius sometimes, right? I told you prisons are full of dumb criminals. I look down on the ground, and the blood, and guess what? It's, it's a lot of blood, and I just follow the blood trail. And I follow it, Followed around the building. There's like nine or ten trailers in this little trailer park in the back. I follow it right down into the trailer park in between trailers. And I follow it right to the back corner of the trailer park. And there's a trailer. And it's, shit, I'm, I'm following a, like a wounded deer blood trail. This is a lot of blood. And, and I'm not talking about drops. And... I followed this shit, this blood up the steps and blood going in the trailer. And so I knock on the door and nobody answered. And I knock on the door and I said, Sheriff's office, Sheriff's office. Nobody answered. I said, look, you dumb asses. I know you're in there. I know one of you is bleeding. Come out and talk to me now and, and I can get you some assistance. And I said, look, I'm not fucking going away. I get, in and I get the SWAT team and surround the house. I know you broke into the store. Let me help you et cetera. So finally, somebody opened the door and it was, it was three kids and the first one opened the door and I actually had my pistol by my side, you know, and I went and I said, do y'all have any weapons? And he said, no, we don't. I said, where's the guy that's bleeding? And he said, he's, he's hiding in the back bedroom. I said, he doesn't have any guns. He said, no, I said, go outside and stand over there on the end of the trailer and do not come back inside. Or I said, I will shoot you. And I made sure he wasn't bleeding. Right. So I just walked in. It's you know kind of a gray area. You could call it hot pursuit if you wanted to, but also, at, there's a amount of blood I could have justified going in to, to check on a person's safety. But shit, hey, blood went in the living room. He must have sat at the couch for a while, and, and there was blood, and there was blood going down the hallway. So I went out, kept calling out. I said, I'm coming down there. You better show me your hands when I come in. They you know, don't have any firearms, et cetera. And they were like, no, no, we don't have any guns. And, and I opened the door, and one dude was sitting on the bed, and he's holding his hand above his head and with a big old towel around it. And for shit, some bitches soaked with blood. And, and I said, well— you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to an attorney. Any Question, you can't fool one to quarter point one for you. I said, now, you're going to uh, tell me what happened? He said, I hurt my hand. I said, yeah, that's uh, obvious, you fucker. And, I, and just tell me what happened in the store. I'll get you some medical attention. And the, oh, when I went in the, um, the door, y'all, when I saw first saw the blood in the living room, on the living room table was like some, Packs of rolling papers, lighters, and I mean new shit that obviously stuff they had taken from the store. Uh, actually, there was some of that on the ground uh, the, uh, outside the store also, and the, <laughs> I said, just tell me what happened. I'm gonna get you now. you know, I'm not gonna take you to jail today. You're wounded, et cetera. I said, I will make a warrant for your arrest or or, or I said I can be an asshole and take you to jail right now. He said, man, uh, we wanted some cigarettes, man. We ran out of cigarettes. We've been out with power uh for two days. I said, okay. And he, and he said, Well, I I busted the glass on the store and and um I said, Well, what the fuck did you bust it with? He said, I busted it with a brick. And and, and I said, And he said, Well, I reached in and I was pulling stuff out and and I cut my uh my arm and and he he." Pull the towel off and look y'all he, he had like an artery cut i'm surprised the dude wasn't dead i said no i said wrap it back up wrap it back up and wrapped it up and i called for an ambulance got his name got all this information i wasn't gonna fuck with him i had better bigger fish to fry at the time anyway got his name date of birth office id and the, the ambulance had to come get him etc and i let him take him to the hospital and i ended up cutting a for him a few days later when I had time, you got to remember this is after a storm, a major storm. I think that one was Katrina. Just goes to show you the stupidity of people, right? I mean, it and they didn't even get any cigarettes. He just stole and packs of rolling papers and lighters and anything that he could reach, and, and then slices an artery. Uh, another one. Oh, let me tell you what the number one thing is that's stolen during hurricanes. And I mean, if you've ever done this. You are a fucking asshole, okay? And I'm just telling you that because I'm sure somebody out there listening has done this. If you've done this, you are a dick. The number one stolen item after a hurricane, especially a bad storm, is generators. Now, imagine this: you got your family, you know a storm's coming, right? So you go, "Oh, that's a when the storm hits the Gulf, and they see say it's even coming anywhere near Louisiana." You're not going to be able to find a loaf of bread, bottled water, all the beer sells out, all the gas sells out. People that have been through it for long enough or that are going to ride it out are going to have a generator. I mean, I've got four freezers full of deer meat and, and, and hog and stuff like that. You you don't want to lose all everything that's in your freezer, but a, a generator, a decent generator will be – Powerful enough to run maybe your freezer and one air conditioner and you put your family in that room. I mean, because shit is hot and, and you can't sleep the doors and shit open. Look, I was here this past weekend. Mosquitoes have tore my ass up and, they, or in, and the bugs and stuff. So you 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 get your shit, you get you all your gas cans and you go fill them up and you get your generator ready. You test it, make sure it starts and you pray for the best, right? You get all your groceries and your beer and your liquor and your hurricane. One of the most famous drinks in New Orleans is called a hurricane, y'all. And that's and that's hurricanes associated with drinking, also. But anyway, the so let's say you have your family all prepared. You got your hurricane snacks, and you are good to go. Storm comes, you lose power, hotter than fuck, and so you don't want to lose everything in the ice box. Crank up the old trusty generator, line your gas cans up. You know, you're good to go. Gets dark about two o'clock in the morning. You're sleeping with your little portable window unit that you keep for hurricanes, right? So your family's nice and cool in the room. Everybody's safe. Waiting on the power company to turn the lights back on. And in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, and generator's are loud too. I, I, I'm I'm sure. Most of y'all have had experience with them, but generators are loud as fuck. And, and in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, everything goes quiet because some asshole has just stolen your generator. And it happens all night long. I guarantee you from Hurricane Laura and this Hurricane Delson that just passed through, I guarantee you people were out there stealing uh, generators. And... If you've done that, you're an asshole. And, and, and there's just, I mean, you're not going to get more than three or $400 for a generator hot on the street anyway. And you might've got away with some cans of gasoline, but you're an asshole because you didn't take the time to prepare or you're doper. And you're going out there and that family has worked for that. And it's taken the guy that's taking care of the family or the girl. And in the middle of the night, they wake up and you stole their shit. And that's, the largest theft thing or item that there is during storms uh, it's really sad. Um, and that it used to really just burn my ass when people did it. And then, look, then it was still they don't just steal one. They ride around these neighborhoods, and you can hear them from a half mile away. And then they'll go in on foot, and a couple of them grab the generator, a couple of them grab the gas cans, and they run out we'll of Shit, by the time you realize and you run outside, you can't see Dick anyway. And, you know, it happens, right? One of the other bad things that happens is, then this is not as funny or what you want to call it, but one of the, one of the most common deaths from the storm or after the storm is carbon monoxide poisoning. And I'll tell you, I'm not going to say names or any towns or whatever, but I've worked it before y'all and that People just don't know when maybe first-time generator owners or whatever, you've got to set the generator where it's far enough away because the, the exhaust comes off of it. And I've worked it. I've been in a house where five people dead and, and from carbon monoxide poison and what they, because they didn't ventilate the generator properly. And what's bad about that, or I can't say it's bad, but what sticks out of my mind about those deaths is... All the victims are cherry red, like red, red, red. The the whole body, the skin is red. And I walk in and I see that, all right, right, no, it's carbon monoxide poison. I don't know why the body turns red like that. But again, that stuff you deal with from hurricanes, you know, and and I've worked several of those cases, and and they're just absolutely horrible. That, uh, you know, whole families get killed or even anybody dies from it naturally, but I've worked where whole families have gotten killed because of generators and the exhaust. I don't know. I don't know. But hats off to the first responders. Hats off to the people working it. Hats off to the people who worked the aftermath of it. Hurricanes are bad, and the, the people ask me, do I have PTSD about you know the bodies and the stuff that I've worked and everything, and I actually don't. I have PTSD or, or th- anything that really bothers me except for the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, and I'll get into that next week in 9-11. But I'm going to tell you one more, and I'll end it. I was, it was a really bad storm, and it was like 7 o'clock in the morning. We had been called to get off the road. I was the detective on call. I mean, it was a bad one, it would, and I pulled off on the side of the building. The reason I would do that is is to get out of the way of the wind and flying objects. But at, at one point, the storm was so bad that my windows, I could feel the pressure build up in my car. My side windows started to move inwards. There was so much pressure, and it was hurting my ears. I got down. I thought my windows were going to explode from the pressure of the storm, and they didn't. Um, the 911 calls were stacking up and the trees falling, et cetera. And, and when it calmed down enough to that pressure had moved on and they turned us loose on the raid, we had a, a call of, and it was pretty close to me. And I remember responding, responding, and it was a trailer at the end of a dead end street. And it had a huge oak tree, fell right dead ass in the middle of the trailer. And uh, the neighbor said there there is a guy in there and he's not coming out i know he's in there they, they, they he'd been living there for like 20 years this neighbor said i'm telling you he's in there and we keep calling to him and, he, and he, you know he, he he's not responding so break out the chainsaws the volunteer fire department responds other other units respond and we're trying to cut this tree away and it's massive and it's right in uh, the trailer's like sliced in half uh um and we're so we're cutting away and and getting to a, and you know hollering form and pulling away these big limbs and then the scene started to show the uh it was the living room there was a couch well, it was all this is smashed down to the ground the living room and the couch and we could see the guy well, the, the, the actually the back of the couch is broken down it's all Everything was pinned down, but we could see the guy in there and he wasn't responding, so we kept cutting and then they cut it away enough. I mean, this obviously he was ten seven. He was dead. I mean it was like it was it was almost like something out of a comic book. He was literally flattened like a pancake. The the tree fell on him and killed him. I mean, shit went into his his pocket when it got down to the body and he was just smushed and uh, went in his pocket for his ID, you know, and and to get date of birth and stuff like that. And uh, i never forget he had a bag of weed in his pocket. And I was like, oh, man, you won't be getting in trouble for this, right? And so, but, you know, storms happen, shit happens, uh, and you never should forget about the people that are out there that are really, I mean, they do it every day, the law enforcement does, but on on those days, they leave their own families, and I did it for so many years. Left my own family to go out and take care of other people's families, and uh, hurricanes are just a just a beast. And the uh, even the small storms can make all the tornadoes, and and just a beast. So, yeah, I just wanted to give you a little something this week that um, I'm not starting season six until next week, but. Me being trapped in, and we're going to release something last week. Ended up releasing the Patreon episode, which I've replaced uh, with the episode "Passive Aggressive," which is pretty good. When y'all patron members, I hope you enjoy it. And so I'm releasing this to you this week, just giving a couple thoughts in my head, and, and then I found out Mister Kearney dying last night, and. I just want to give a shout out to him and his family and prayers for his family. I love y'all. Let's talk about Real Life Real Crime Season 6. And we got, we're got we stepping it up a notch. That's why we took the, basically the two weeks. We started it, and, and it's going to be some good ones. I'm going to be getting back to a lot of the more serious stories, the uh, more heinous crimes in this season, if you will. So stay tuned and listen. Now, I want to tell you all about this youtube we have been working diligently for since started rapids burning we invested in uh, video equipment video editing equipment and i've been doing some of my these episodes when i had internet service i would record the weekly episode live for patreon members and put it up on the patreon page so they can have the video to watch it early and all that but rapids burning my wife has been, been doing producing on, and we have some great lifers. and I, can't, I cannot think of your names because I'm horrible, but they've taken their time. Uh, it, it's what this guy does for a living. He and his wife are, are huge fans. They contacted us about making videos and adding them to the podcast and putting it on YouTube. So we've done it. Now, if you thought Rapids Burning was interesting before, you got to go listen to it or go watch it on YouTube because it's more like a movie. So as I'm talking, you'll get uh, the things I'm talking about. There'll be there's images that'll be posted. There's some video clips, different things that are put in it. So for people like me who I didn't know what a podcast was a year and a half ago, I would much. I'm a more of a visual person, uh, or I used to be, than a storyteller. It's really really interesting. So go to youtube and search real life real crime podcast not just real life real crime but real life real crime podcast now you'll see that almost all of our episodes every episode i've ever done is going to be on there automatically the audio version but starting with rapids burning it is going to not only have audio but you're going to have video almost like a movie really really well done uh it's a learning curve still learning as we go we had the best people in the world and i'll get y'all's name straight next week And you know i know you are and thank you for taking the time uh and and walking sending through the process and being such awesome lifers and so not only will rapids burning be done this episode hurricanes should be up hopefully by this weekend and then we're going to start with our top episodes, whether it's uh, Dennis and Cynthia Perkins or uh, Double Clutch or whatever. My wife's going to start working on adding video to each and every episode till she's called up or she is working on it. And so share it. Y'all go over to YouTube, subscribe. It's free. And I didn't know shit about YouTube either, but Real Life Real Crime podcast. YouTube subscribe and watch Rapids Burning. Okay? It's important. Now, of course, we're, we're going to do uh, Who Killed Courtney Coco and, you know, all of them. All of them will be done eventually. So go over there. I think you'll get a lot out of it, especially if, if people ask you, you know, I, we get quote, people saying all the time, well, what's a podcast or how do I listen to the podcast? Hell, just tell them to go to YouTube and subscribe to Real Life Real Crime Podcast and they they'll get they can watch it and listen to it at the same time. Really, really interesting. Really excited about that, y'all. I mean, I kind of like it myself. I mean, I like it better than just sitting there listening to it. So, y'all give me a follow on Instagram at real life real crime and at Overton Woody. Y'all do that. Take a, a, a screenshot of you of your follow Send it in on one of our Facebook pages or email. I don't care how you send it in. And for every 50 new followers we get, I'm doing a drawing. Then you have a one in 50 chance of winning either my autograph book, copy of a book that I autograph for you or a real life, real crime face mask. And those are really nice. Or a real life, real crime window decal. So but you got to follow them both. Send it to us and I'm gonna start doing these catch up. We're, we're already been running this promotion. Most of y'all know that. And I'm, when we're gonna get the list together. I'm gonna start doing the drawings and I'm gonna do those video drawings and I'm going to put them on YouTube. Everything's gonna start going to YouTube, but on Instagram, I try to post on there every day, but it's nothing you're gonna find on Facebook and in the, in the crew page or anywhere else. I post different shit, little funny things and, uh, so, just go check it out. Check out the Instagram, okay? And their crew page. Yeah, I love y'all. We're at 26,500 or 600 people, something like that now. Y'all, thank you for inviting others to join. Uh, it's important. Courtney Coco, I hate to say death bursary, whatever you want to call it, murder anniversary, or whatever was last weekend. And it, it's shit you know, 16 years, man. And the family had to live through it again. Y'all went to Alexandria, uh, the week before and, and was a guest speaker at the national homicide victims memorial. And it, right. I stood on the Rapids parish courthouse and I was unscripted and raw. And, but I recorded the whole ceremony. Guess what? It's going to be on YouTube. If you want to watch it, go watch it. If you, if you don't cry, after you see these families get up there and talk about their pain, then something must be wrong with you. Uh, so, but the, again, that's on YouTube, Real Life, Real Crime Podcast. Subscribe on YouTube, get to watch it for free. We're not giving up on Courtney Cocoa, but you know what? We're not going to wait that much longer either. And, and Miss Stephanie is fed up. And the, the first week of November would be a year since the DA said, give me two weeks. And we've been playing nice. For these last four months, because we've been promised certain things, not gonna keep waiting too much longer. And when we do a call to action, uh, that when we when we've had enough, and it, if if especially if it drags out past this election and they want to try to tank it or something, we're gonna burn. And that's when the crew page and the lifers. We I don't care if you're in Australia or Egypt or. Rapids Parish or wherever, we're going to call. I have a plan. We can get everybody to do their part on making it heard nationally for Courtney Coco. And no, I'm not going to do it for them because I, I still want to believe that what they've been telling us is the truth. I want to believe they're going to give us the justice for Courtney Coco. But guess what? Courtney's mama's pissed, and, she's, and she has a right to be. But we'll give them just a little bit longer. Miss Barbara Blunt got it. You tip in today. Please keep sharing. Share the episode. Share the story. Toby Tom, Play, and I are starting a cold case podcast and it's in the works, but we're not going to do it until we have a whole first season ready to release. So there'll be no more real time uh, like we did on Courtney's case, right? And, and start to do a Miss Barbara's case and I'm still working it. Miss Barbara's case, so y'all are calling you tips and sharing sharing equals tips. I'm not going to ask you to call any more tips on, on Courtney's case because we are, we know who killed her, and we're just waiting on the arrest. But we're not going to wait much longer. So I'm sure I'm forgetting some of y'all. But anyway, I love and appreciate each and every one of you, and and I really do, really, really do appreciate you and that all of the people who supported us. It's just amazing. And, you know, go places and and life. I had two lifers come up to me yesterday. Uh, I introduced themselves at at different points and I had a mask on and everything. But to be recognized and people tell me, hey, you know what, you're doing a great job. We love your stories, whatever. It means a lot to me. And I do love my fans. And I will never stop answering every question that you have. I spend, you know, eight hours a day or more on on different social media, et cetera, and I would I would never not take the time to answer you back. And if I, I I'm just down to earth. If you see me, you want to approach me, please do. And, and yeah, you know, I'd love to take a picture with you or whatever. But if it wasn't for y'all, I wouldn't have a show. So I love you. And I'm yes, patron members. I love the patron members, and yes, they they support us financially, right? But I, if you can't be a patron member, that's totally totally cool. I don't want you to think. I love you any less, and and but you know just I, I ask that you keep sharing us and 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 liking us and helping us grow. And then if you get a chance, go to iTunes and leave me a review. I'd appreciate that. Follow me on Instagram. And remember when you follow me on Instagram, record it somehow and go to one of our like six or seven Facebook pages or email me Woody at Real Life Real Crime dot com and and send it to us and for every 50 people that follow me at real life real crime or at overton woody i'm going to do uh give you your choice one person's going to win out of the 50 and then you get your choice of the whatever it is swag that you want so uh, lopa you've heard me talk about it before you hear me talk about it again there's something special coming up in season six a Lopa episode that's gonna it'll just absolutely rip your heart out. Um, Louisiana, Oregon Procurement Agency, the wonderful people y'all give the gift of life, sign up to be an organ donor. go to lopa.org, go uh, it takes like two minutes. So scroll to when they, when they ask you where you heard about it, go to the Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center. Those students who work so hard uh, and and their teacher, Kelly, and Miss Kim Alvin, the principal works so hard, y'all, to get get people to sign up for LOPE. And that's where I was introduced to it at. So check that box for them to give them credit for it. And if you want to, they've added, uh, LOPE has added Real Life Real Crime because I'm telling you, it's my personal mission to get people to sign up to be an organ donor, give the gift of life, give the gift of sight. It means something, y'all. And... I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Get ready, you're gonna do